Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the Horsham Church of Christ. For more information, please visit our website at www.horsham.org.au. Yeah, Father, we do want to say thank you because you are the risen King. You are the one who has uh, come to save and to rescue us and to call us on to new ways and new possibilities. We want to praise your name. We thank you for the freedom that we have to praise your name. Uh, We thank you that regardless of our stories, uh, good, bad, indifferent, otherwise, our struggles, our heartaches, our celebrations, our successes and our victories, Father, you're in the midst of them all. For those of us who are questioning you, for those of us who are enjoying being in your presence and growing more every day in you, for those of us who are struggling to worship and say the words or to sing or trying to work out what all this means, Father, we pray that for all of us, you would speak to us today that you would awaken us to something new, something of a promise that you have always had to be in a relationship with us. So we just want to honour you and praise you. We thank you for so many people who have worked so faithfully uh, to serve you today, to prepare for this day. And we pray that we would open up our hearts, our minds, our bodies, our spirits, so that we might encounter you continually and hear the whisper of your spirit into our lives today. In the name of Jesus. Great to uh, have you all here this morning. Um, if you uh, have your Bibles, um, and maybe if you haven't got a Bible, you'd like a Bible, there's a heap of black Bibles up on the, behind the sound desk, the tech desk there. You can follow along or you can check it out. We're going to be exploring the first chapter of Acts again, just a few verses out of there. Um, alternatively, if you use a smart Bible, um, that is a smart device, uh, you can look up our uversionbible.com app, um, not our app but the Version app and look up the Horsham Church of Christ live event and all the verses, I hope, uh, will be in there. In our lead up to Easter, in the couple of months uh, coming into Easter, we've been exploring this, uh, the journey into, the invitation that we have to journey into something new. The invitation that we have to move from uh, slavery to freedom, from death to life. Uh, we've got uh, an invitation that's come out of and similar to, if you like, um, the, the invitation that the people of Israel had when God called Moses uh, and said, Moses, I want you to lead my people out of slavery into the promised land. Uh, this was the challenge that Moses was given for the people of Israel. This is essentially what God is continuing to do and what we've seen revealed through the life, death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. God's whole purpose, his whole uh, existence revolves around you and I being in a relationship. Now, if you're not a regular church person, if you're trying to work out what it means to follow Jesus, this might sound a bit weird to you. But bear with us and follow the journey. Because many of us live in slavery still. And many of us continue to live in death, if you like. Because we go about our lives not really knowing what it is to live or grab a hold of it. The problem is when we're talking about death to life uh, and slavery to freedom is that that is often met like the people of Israel. You and I are no different. It's often met with resistance and disappointment, doubt, the wrestle for independence and defiance, a sense of doing what we want, how we want, when we want, uh, a sense of isolation. But it's also a beautiful experience, also a beautiful expression as we talk about community and celebration 
as we talk about uh, ministering to one another through uh, struggle and hardship and mourning, but also midst of this, as we talk about the journey into a promised life, many of us struggle with a grand plan kind of thing. Many of us struggle with a sense of where I fit. Many of us struggle with how we can communicate or how we connect or what we bring into a particular group of people or into a particular idea. If I'm promised this new life, where do I fit? What do I do? We're always looking for this sense of grand plan, this big scheme of things about something enormous and huge. And so when we struggle to find that, the journey into a new life or God's promises seems intangible and even unreachable. We all have gifts and skills and abilities. They're all a significant part of who we are and how we can serve and work as part of the church, but even more than that, how we serve and work and bless as part of the wider community. Wherever we are, whatever we're doing, whatever job we have, whatever neighbourhood that we're in. But we can only do that to the full of our ability, the fullness of who we are, when, as we bear witness to the truth of the life, the death and resurrection of Jesus. And this is what I want to unpack a little bit more. Acts chapter 1, verse 15 I'm going to be reading from. In those days, Peter stood up among the believers, and at this stage it was a group numbering about 120 and said, Brothers and sisters, the scripture had to be fulfilled in which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through David concerning Judas, who served as a guide for those who arrested Jesus. He was one of our number and shared in our ministry. So here's a recognition of uh, Judas, that is Judas Iscariot, the one who betrayed Jesus and lived with Jesus and this close group of people who had served in this ministry. Um, in verse 18, with the payment he received for his wickedness, Judas brought a field and there he fell headlong. His body burst open and all his intestines spilled out. It's a nice description, isn't it? Um, and then uh, I've left out verse 19. For Peter, for said Peter, it is written in the book of Psalms, may his place be deserted. Let there be no one to dwell in it, and may another take his place of leadership. Now, these verses are simply giving us context for what comes next. These verses, as been recorded and remembered, are simply reminding the readers and reminding those who are following the journey of the early church of what's to come next and what's unfolding. It's helping us understand why things happened in the way that they did. So we go on. Therefore, it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus was living among us, beginning from John's Baptist to the time, sorry, John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken from us. For one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. So they nominated two men, Joseph called Barzabas, Barzabas, also known as Justice, and Matthias. Then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart, show us which of these two you have chosen to take over this apostolic ministry which Judas left to go where he belongs. Then they cast lots and the lot fell to Matthias. So he was added to the 11 apostles. There's intent here of the early disciples. They are focused. A couple of questions that we perhaps can't answer. Who told them to replace Judas? So there's something very human about this. There's something what they've um, experienced and encountered 
in the last three years in the ministry of Jesus that said, we need someone to fill Judas' place. He filled a very necessary part of who we are. But it's not like they received, we're not told they received a, a bolt of lightning. We're not told they received a stone tablet that indicated what they should do or how they should go about it. There's, for me as I read this, and maybe not for you, maybe you have other ideas and that's okay, but for me as I read this, there's just a very real sense of as a group of people, we recognise that we need someone to fill this gap. They weren't told to replace him. Jesus didn't say that you needed to worry about replacing him. And all of a sudden, here he is. This man called Matthias. My question to you is, who is he? We're not told about him anywhere else in Scripture. We're not given any indication. He doesn't even get a sense of history or importance or heritage. Um, With the guy's name who I said badly, uh, Joseph called Barzabas, he's he's also known in justice. Um, So there's a sense of family history and understanding here. But Matthias, that's it. Matthias is mentioned two to three times in these 11 verses. That's it. When Jesus walked past 12 people, he noticed people from a distance or he noticed people fishing or he noticed people repairing the nets and he said, or getting people to pay taxes and ripping people off. And Jesus just walked past them, knew something about them and said, hey, you follow me. And they did, which is quite astonishing. Now, Peter's not Jesus just in case you weren't aware of that. I'm not Jesus. You're not Jesus. Just to clarify who's not Jesus. All right, we've talked about Jesus. We've reflected on Jesus as the one who is the son of God. Uh, The life, death and resurrection of Jesus is what we remember in, in this small meal that we celebrate together. So there's a real distinct shift here about how people are invited into leadership. For Jesus, it was about looking out for a group of people. He had in mind 12. I don't know how he had that number in mind, but he got that number. He gathered them around. He identified them and he called them out. For this group of people, it was about those who had travelled with us and been witness to, which I think is an important statement. I think sometimes we can get people um, involved and we get them ticking along or we know them uh, from other experiences and all of a sudden we can get people thrown in at the deep end. But we don't really know what their story is. One of the things about covenant relationship that we try and do is, and if you're new to the life of the church, we try and encourage you to take three to six months to catch your breath. If you've come out of pain, we want you to catch your breath so you know healing If you've just shifted to Horsham, we want you to catch your breath so you know that this is a place where you can feel like you connect as part of the body. We don't want you to have a sense of um, the most important thing that you can do or, or experience is to do something amongst us. We want you to know us and us to know you. And so when you come, you might hear conversations about take three to six months if you're new in the life of the church. doesn't mean you can't have conversations It just means we want you to catch your breath. We think there's some wisdom and discernment about that. But aside from that, we don't hear anything else of Matthias. We don't know what Matthias did. We don't know what relevance he holds. We don't know if he did a poor job. We don't know if he built a new church. We don't know if he did a great job. We don't know what happened to him. And so maybe we sit here and say, why finish a series 
that I hope has been helpful as we think about journeying into new life, why do we finish a series asking who an obscure, barely mentioned man is? I'll get to it. I'll get to it. Why does all this matter? Because I think there are lessons and invitations for us. And this, I'm not sure this will work, so we'll see how it goes. Firstly, what we know and recognise, I'm going to fly through these really quickly, group dynamics change and sometimes we don't know why. Have you ever experienced that? You've, you've travelled a journey with someone, maybe they're really helpful to you, but maybe you've matured or they've got frustrated or maybe you're involved in a project and all of a sudden that project's ended and the, the friendship kind of just changes. This might be at work, this might be in the church, it could be in neighbourhoods, it could be even in families. What, relationships that we once had and valued, sometimes they just change and it looks very different and the group recognises that things change. Um, not everyone makes the history books. Oh, it works. Um, not everyone makes the history books. We, Matthias is fortunate to have made the history books. He's mentioned three times in these 11 verses, two to three times. It's not very much in the grand scheme of the scriptures. But also, what about the other 119 or 118 people that were mentioned there in the early gathering at the start of this reading that we read? There were about 120 people. That's all we know. They may have counted as some of the other great leaders and apostles that we read about or some of them gone in history. But not only that, 120 people quickly became 3,000 people. This wasn't just about counting numbers or counting people. This is about creating a movement. This is about creating a, a dynamic where people encountered and continued to hear the story of the resurrected Jesus and changed their lives. It wasn't about being recorded in history books. Sometimes we're looking for the big grand plan of things because we want to be counted in the history books. And sometimes we would do better, probably more often than not, we would do better just to do the small faithful things well and out of our witness. <clears throat> My sense of urgency is not God's timing. Sometimes we can be in such a rush to complete things or do things or overcome things and we miss what God is doing in the midst of it. The attitude I now carry, sorry, the attitude I carry now could determine my future position. So here's a guy, Matthias, who wasn't selected as one of the early 12, one of the original apostles. Here's a guy who's kind of been on the fringe but here's a guy who's been faithful and proven himself to be faithful. Three years. Now, was he there for the whole three years? We don't know. When did he come on board as someone who bore witness to the life, death and resurrection and the person of Jesus? We don't know. But he was there and he was faithful and he declared Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour. Sometimes we're in such a rush and so dynamic and think we've got all the answers, that we're not willing to wait and continue to be faithful. Our, future, our, our current position, the attitude that I carry now, could determine my future position. I think we're also um, taught in these verses to be attentive. Learn to be present with those that I share life with. It might be a group of six really intentional people. It might be a dozen, it might be 15, it might be 20. It might be when I'm at work, I'm going to be really intentional about being present with those, that group of people 
even if my boss is annoying me. Even if people who work for me are jerks, I'm going to be really present to hearing their story and living out of the declaration that I want to be a follower of Jesus. I'm going to be learned to be present with my family. I'm going to be learned to be. I'm going to be learned. I'm going to learn to be present in this time and this space. Because we don't want you to just show up here. We want you to be engaged, connected, learning, dynamic. Thinking, thoughtful, challenged, challenging. If you're just showing up here, you're missing out on so much more. To be present is to be engaging and to be responding and to be thinking about it and to go and have a, a cuppa with someone or invite someone out to have a cuppa or a meal and discuss it and unpack it and throw stuff out that isn't helpful and take a hold of the stuff that causes us to be awake. Not everyone will go the distance. Judas didn't go the distance. <laughs> and this might relate back to the first point. Sometimes group dynamics change. Sometimes people will just, no matter how much effort you put in, no matter how many times you call them, no matter how many times you follow them up, they just don't go the distance. And it might not be your fault. If it is your fault, own up to it, apologise for it. But then they've still got a decision to make as well. And new life is best lived in community. The journey into God's promises is best lived in connection with others. There's so much that, so many times I have conversations with people and, but I want to do this and I need to do this and I want to have that. And, but who are the people who are, who are cheering you on? Who are the people who are praying for you? Who are the, who's, who's, who's backing you up in your vision and your heart? So many people in marriages or in workplaces or in neighbourhoods do so much of life on their own. And maybe they've got a reason for it. Maybe we're angry. Maybe we've been hurt. Maybe people we've trusted have disappointed us. Yes, yes, and yes, and yes. That doesn't mean that um, God doesn't want us to be in community. That just means people haven't really captured the vision of what God calls us into. All right, you, doing life on our own is just too hard. It's too hard. Paul writes in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 21, The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you, and the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honourable, we treat with special honour. And the parts that are unpresentable, we treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honour to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. Now, so many of us who have been Bible readers for a long period of time, we'd read this and we go, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> really? This is what I'm saying. Don't just show up. Be present. Read this text. You might not go down in the history books, but what you do is important and significant if we're doing it out of the basis of Jesus Christ as the son of the living God. And what you do might be to say hello to your neighbour when they felt terrible. That doesn't sound very exciting, does it? 
What you do might be to pick up a crying baby. What you do won't ever be written down. But it has ramifications, ripple effects. See, when we make a, a declaration that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, we are in for a lifetime of learning and discovery. It's not a lifetime of easy street because learning and discovery is about learning and discovering who I am and who God is calling me on to be. <laughs> and that often means we've got to leave some junk behind, which we often wrestle with. And we talk about the parts that are least presented. Like the, the easiest way to describe this is no one knows, notices the toilets until they go to use them and then they discover if they're clean or messy. I bet you'd have something to say if they were messy. So the person who goes in there and vacuumed this week and the person who wiped down the toilets this week, is that less significant than the person who stands up here trying to unpack and get, get us to be present to the Word of God? No. And this needs to be personal as much as it is communal. Romans chapter 12. Therefore I urge you in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. So we sit here and we say, God, show me what you want me to do. God, show me your grand scheme. God, I want to be influential for you. And I'm pretty sure God says, okay, lay down and ask for forgiveness for what happened yesterday. God, that's not part of your grand scheme. I'm not influencing people doing that. Okay. God, I just want the church to do this and I just want us to be holy in our worship and I wish we would do this and I wish we would have that. And God says, you know what? When was the last time you offered yourself as a living sacrifice to truly be in worship to me, to truly declare that I am worth your very life and you are fully bought in to this relationship. God, it's so hard. It's so overwhelming. I'm so stuck and it's everybody else's fault and God, I can't do this. What if you just thought something different? Just for, just for two seconds, just try it with me. Just try it with me. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Think Instead of what you've been through, instead of what has been done, instead of what's not being done, instead of the grand plan, why don't you just think on me for a couple of seconds and let's see what happens out of that. Let's just start there. Second Corinthians chapter 5 says, For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. What if we just tried living out of that statement for a little while? heard a few things over this last week that uh, kind of s surprised me. There's opportunities all the time. 
And there's opportunities for us to step into things small and large. I had someone say that they're, uh, I think, a cousin, not a churchgoer, not a person of faith. Drive, drive past this block of land on a regular basis, was watching this facility take place. And the comment was, every time I drive past, I experience a real sense of peace and blessing. Do you know why that happens? Because a group of people walked up and down this block of land for months before anyone else saw it, before anyone else knew it, and there's probably heaps of people doing, have done it that I don't know, walked around the edge of this block and prayed for new life over this place. And not just for this place, not just for this block of land, but for this city. That's not a great, big, life-changing thing, is it? Except it is. When someone else can identify that they drive past and they experience a real sense of peace and blessing... When someone says the new church building was an excuse, I've had a sense for a while to get back to church to reconnect in faith. When people have come from Southbank because a few people have gone and knocked on doors and invited them to come along last week and they've walked in and they've gone, this is not what I expected. And it's not just about the building, there's certainly a sense of grandeur about that um, and, and a wow factor and a standard of excellence. That's what we wanted to create because we wanted people to come in and say, hey, this is not what we expect. This is Christ, the Son of the living God. Someone commented last week that um, they felt overwhelmed and the incredibly sense of connection and support in the family room. They felt safe going in there. It wasn't too hard to take a crying child in there because it was safe and they knew that they were in there with others who were experiencing the same thing and they want to raise their children up in the ways of Jesus. This is the body of Christ. Not terribly dramatic kind of movements, not history changing, possibly, but they could be the moments that change the course of history. See, being chosen, being recognised or being appointed isn't the end goal. Going down in history books isn't the end goal. Following Jesus, being transformed and bringing transformation out of and according to the image and the person of Jesus, that's our call. That's our invitation. That's our goal. Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 to 16 says, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Let your light shine so that others might see who you are and what you do and they give glory to God in heaven. John chapter 13, Jesus says, Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. This isn't an optional extra. This isn't a, look, if you feel like it, look, if you haven't got too much else on, look, if work isn't overwhelming, if your family isn't, you know, keeping you up at night, I don't know. This is, this is a command. This is Jesus saying, hey, this is it, guys. This is what it's about here. What you've seen in me, you must do for others. And by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, my followers, those who are learning my ways, if you love one another. Community. I read this um, this week, or maybe you've seen it on 
Facebook as well, um, clergy coaching, I think. Uh, the mark of a healthy church is not how many people come, but how many people live differently for having been there. The mark of a healthy church is not how many people come, but how many people live differently for having been there. And I have to say, I'm probably, I'm just trying to, off the top of my head now, I had numerous people say to me last week, you know the Horsham, what the Horsham Church of Christ is known for? The Horsham Church of Christ isn't known because they've got a new building. The Horsham Church of Christ isn't known because of um, their services. The Horsham Church of Christ is known because they are active and alive. I'll take that every day of the week. That's people being alive. And that's not to say other churches aren't doing it. That's just people talking to me about who we are and who we want to be. You might not go down in the history books. You might not be recorded and someone might not say thank you. <laughs> Do it anyway. Because Jesus is transforming you. Because Jesus is changing you and that's your motivation. Um, I heard this quote from Andy Stanley. It's, that one didn't come. Um, Andy Stanley is the lead pastor of the North Point Church in America uh, and his comment was, it's amazing how much ministry can happen when no one cares about getting the credit. It's amazing how much ministry can happen when no one cares about getting the credit. At the end of the day... Who is Matthias isn't really the question. The question that you and I have to respond to, the question that you and I have to connect with and engage with is who will I choose to be? If we've been a follower of Jesus for a long period of time or we've been on the fringe of following Jesus or maybe we've just been pretending to follow Jesus, we're kind of show up and we do what needs to be done because that makes it look good for someone around us. Maybe it's that time where we need to say now, you know what, Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, his life, death and resurrection anymore and I cannot deny his invitation for me to journey into a new and a promised life with him. For too long I've made too many excuses and I've played too many games and it's time it stopped. That's a decision that Matthias can't make for you. That's a decision that I can't make for you. That's a decision that you have to make because the Spirit of God stirs in your heart, mind, body and soul. And when you do that decision, incidentally, you're going to face challenges multiplied tomorrow. But it's the best decision of your life. But maybe you're sitting around looking for this grand plan, you're trying to be faithful, you're reading the Bible, you show up here, you're engaged, you're serving, you're caring, you're ministering to people, you think you're leaving things behind, you're, you're being transformed in the, in to become more like Jesus. But there's a barrier there. There's something just causing a blockage. And I don't know what that is. I've got no special revelation. Maybe there's things that haven't gone your way. Maybe you feel like you haven't been paid attention to or you haven't got the credit that you deserve. Okay. Maybe it's time to lay it down and say, Jesus, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And I'm not going to sit around making excuses anymore about how others have done or how they've treated or what they've looked like. I need to work out who I am before you. This is the question. 
as we journey into the promise of new life. See, this journey series ends today in terms of Sunday. Next week, we move into our uh, mission month, if you like, our, our world changes month, looking at opportunities to change and how we do change and uh, hearing stories from people. But this is the question that we need to consider. If I believe and I want to declare that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. So we're either moving towards Jesus or we're moving away from Jesus. You can be moving closer to Jesus. I want to suggest that if you just... Um, no, I won't suggest that. Um, <laughs> or you can be kind of moving kind of this way. If you're going like this, you're probably moving away from Jesus. Maybe today's the day to choose. Do you want to move closer to Jesus or further away? And you'll have plenty of other opportunities, there's no doubt about it. We'll try and give you as many opportunities as possible. You, can, you don't even have to wait for Sunday to have this opportunity. You can make this opportunity, you can take a hold of this opportunity tomorrow morning, Wednesday night, whatever, with your life group, whatever it might need. But friends, choose to follow Jesus because his journey is one of life and hope and peace and purpose and meaning. Even if your name isn't written in the history books for other people to be reading, it will be written in the Father's temple. Scripture says in Isaiah that your name is written on the palm of his hand. Your name. I don't even know what your name's here. God does. And he longs so deeply for that intimate, wonderful, life-changing relationship. And you've got to work out where your focus will be.